Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that everybody's here with us at Rise Church. Uh, you are in for a treat today. We're doing something a little unique. It's actually a, a different kind of series that I think you're gonna really, really enjoy. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back three times. Everybody say three times. And the reason I do that is because I really believe that it takes a few times to come to our church and actually get a feel of what our church is really like. And uh, how many of y'all know, sometimes you got to go to a place a few, few times just to kind of get and see if, if the food is really as good as they say it is. And so uh, make sure you come back. And, and Did I lose it? All right. I'm hoping be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. Do something in the chat. Let us know uh, what you're eating for uh, brunch, I guess it would be right now at this point. It'd be brunch. And so uh, hopefully you can join us here in a uh, live in-person service. We are starting a brand new series today called Asking for a Friend. And how many of y'all have ever used that statement before when you say you asked a question to someone and you didn't want them to know it was from you? And so you said something like, hey, what happens when over here? I'm just asking for a friend. You know, like, it's not me. And they're like, they know it's you. Um, but we, we do that. We're going to actually have a series where we will build a series based on your questions. So last week at Easter, we had you guys text in or write in all of your, um, your questions that you would want to ask the church or me. And, uh, and there were some good ones, honestly. There were some really good uh, questions. And so we're going to do that over the next several weeks, answer a bunch of questions. And so this is Tabby Powell. She serves on our staff and our team and runs our church. Come on, welcome Tabby Powell here. Thank you. And uh, I always tell people, they're like, you know, how does this church run? And I'm like, with Tabby, that's how it runs. She's uh, running our entire church. They just let me preach, which is nice. And, uh, and, uh, but it's been really good to have her. And she's going to kind of uh, do a, a few things here. So Tabby, what, take it away. What do, you think, what, do you, what do you think is going on here? All right. Well, like Pastor Aaron said, we've been receiving your guys' questions over the last two weeks. And um, we've actually gotten a lot of questions in from y'all, more than we've gotten from any time we've done this series before. Oh, cool. so, um, so you guys have definitely submitted questions or a lot of those. And so the way that we're going to do this series today is um, we're going to start with something called the hot seat. And we're going to ask Pastor Aaron some questions and he's going to answer them quick. 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 Ish. Quick it. Quick. Quick. Yeah. We're going to ask Pastor Aaron quick questions and he's going to answer them fast. And then he'll go into the end of this and he'll, we'll have one big question at the end or he'll be answering that. But before we go into the hot seat question, Pastor Aaron, I think that it's important that you share what the series ground rules are. Yes. So anytime I do a series like this, we've done this a couple of times um, in our history of our church. Uh, I always take a risk because the problem with um, questions and answers is that sometimes my answers are not your answers. And I don't know if you've met anybody before when you disagree with them. It's not exactly an easy thing. See social media right now. And so um, I'm taking a risk because I'm, I want to answer the questions. But um, a couple of ground rules I always do when I come to these series. Number one, where the Bible is clear, I will be clear. Um, I'm a Bible teacher. I do not give you guys my opinion. I give you guys Bible. That's how I teach. I'm not a self-help guru. It would honestly make my job easier if it was, but I'm not that. I'm under the authority of the scripture and the word of God. I sit under the Bible. So that really means that honestly, there are going to be some questions and answers and things that I, we're going to talk about that honestly, you're not going to agree with and you're not going to like primarily because they're counterculture to what you and I are being taught and fed in every aspect of our life. So, but where the Bible's clear, I'll be clear. Where it's not clear. I will give you my opinion. Everybody say opinion. opinion. Every opinions are like noses. Everybody has them. I will tell you that it is my opinion. Here's what's really cool about our church. You don't have to have the same opinion that I do. You can still come to this church and be a part of our, our church and be a part of everything. I always tell people this, that if there is a topic inside of scripture, that there, there can be biblical, godly theologians on either side of the issue. What does that tell you? That means the subject is debatable and you don't have to be right in every situation. You right. can actually have an opinion that might be different from those that are next to you inside of this church. It would be silly for you to think that everybody in our church votes the way you do, thinks the way you do, posts the way you do, sees God like you do, reads the Bible like you do, reads the same translation like you do. We're not like that. We're a body of Christ. We unify over one thing, and that's Jesus Christ is yeah. Lord, and that he brought his son, that God brought his son to this earth, that he died, he rose again, gave us new life in Christ. If that's what you believe, then you're on my team. Outside of that, there are a lot of gray areas in the Bible. 
I know some people are like, no, there isn't. Yes, there is. I promise you. I've been teaching and, lead and researching the Bible for 20 years. I'm by no means a theologian, but I think I've read it long enough to realize and understand there are a lot of things in here that are up for interpretation. I believe this word of God is inerrant, which means it has no error. It's the inspired word of God. It is the sole authority in our lives. However, the translation or our interpre interpretation of the word can sometimes be flawed. You want to know why? Because the interpretation comes from a flawed person. And so we need to be okay with the idea that, look, hey, man, we might not all agree. It's all good. We're going to have grace. Um, the, the next rule I would say is, um, and I would just be kind of like clear about this, is remember, this book was written in first century Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. We are not its primary audience, which means you and I are reading it from the 21st century American context, which means there's going to be some things lost in translation. There's going to be things that are in their context that are not in our context. There's going to be some areas of the Bible where we're going to have to give our best assumption or guess on what they meant in those areas. And when I do that, I will let you know that it's my opinion. Again, we're going to be okay with that because um, maybe the 17th century German theologian said it best. He says, in essentials, we're going to have unity. That means Jesus is Lord. We're going to have unity in that. Amen. In the non-essentials, we're going to have liberty. But in all things, we're going to have charity, which means all things, we're going to be love. This series primarily is about us being unified, not creating division. So you cannot take my words and my answers and go home and use them as ammo against your spouse. Be like, see, Pastor said that. We go, you, you are wrong. You are wrong. Like, don't do that. And furthermore, don't post my sermon on your social media talking about those dang Democrats. I'm telling you, you see, my pastor said this, or those stinking Republicans said this. And do not use our answers like that. That's not what this is. Are y'all saying? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Everybody say, okay. okay. Everybody say, I got, you. I got you. All right, those are the rules, and then I'll go ahead and take a risk. How about that? Are you ready? I'm ready. You're going to take a risk? Yes. All right. Well, pastor, oh, you're going to stand for this one. I'll sit. You're going to sit? You're going to start seated? I'll sit. I'll sit, and then I'll stand. All right. Well, let's kick off the hot seat. Yes. It's going to be good. All right. Whoa. I like that little thing at the end. Boop, boop. Ooh, that was pretty... I was very impressed I have with kids. that. I have to make sound. Good job. So. All right. <laughs> All right. Number one, Pastor, what is sin and why is it so bad? So most of the questions that we get have to do with something like, I want to do this. Is that a sin? Yep. Which is a terrible question. Yep. Most of your teachers are like, there's no such thing as bad questions. Yes, there are. <laughs> um. Anytime you're trying to figure out how close you can get to the line, that's probably a bad premise. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's so what, right. I, what I had to do is maybe start with the idea of what is sin. That's good. So if I ask you this question, like if I asked all of you and I put you in a line and I said, hey, tell me what sin is. Most of you would probably have a different answer. And your answer would be somewhat close to what sin is, but it would be colored with the idea of where you grew up, what your mama said to you, yeah. what your granddad told you, what your pastor said, yep. what denomination you come from, whether or not you even believe in God. Yeah. I could say, what is sin? You'd be like, there ain't no sin. Some people are, don't even believe sin exists. So like, I have to start with the idea of what sin is. Um, the Hebrew word for sin, and the first time you see it is actually hata. It actually means um, to miss the mark. That's what the basis and the core of sin really is. And anytime you're dealing with something that God has um, defined inside scripture, you have to look at it from a contextual standpoint. Um, and most of the time when um, the Bible brings up sin, mm -hmm. it means um, that God had a particular way of doing things. Like, I, I think most of us can agree God created everything and he created you. And because he created you and created everything, he has a way of things that they should be. So like if you created a game, you would create the rules to the game, right? So that people could win the game and know whether or not they won or lost. That's Sin is, is, is missing the mark based on what God had created for us. And what's interesting about it, especially if you look at, in fact, you can look at different parts of scripture, especially in the, in the Old Testament, like Judges chapter two talks about, um, it actually gives a description. It's a historical book. It gives a description about um, how some of the children of Israel, they were taught how to throw in a, a rock with a sling. And they would say, if you missed, they taught them to not kata their target, which means was not to miss their target. When they actually they could hit, in fact, the Bible says they could hit a, like from several yards away, they could hit a single hair on the top of a man's head. How good they were at their 
their craft. And so um, for us, when it comes to sin, we need to know it's missing the mark of what God really had. And really, I will say this, um, anytime you have to deal with sin, generalized sin in, in terms of a broad stroke, you're dealing with things that means it always had to do with two things. Either you were dishonoring God or you're dishonoring his creation. That's how sin is defined. You miss the mark on, by dishonoring God or dishonoring his creation. Do you want to know why murder is a sin? Like, I think most of us would agree murder, premeditated, like murder, like if you take someone's innocent life, the reason that's a sin is because you're dishonoring the human being that God created. The reason adultery is a sin is because you are dishonoring both the person that God gave you in holy matrimony and you're dishonoring the very covenant of marriage itself that God created. So you're dishonoring both the thing that God created and God by actually committing the adultery. So sin is always wrapped around those two ideas and concepts that you are dishonoring God or dishonoring God's creation. And by the way, most people who ask these questions or these types of questions typically are, are, I would say, using flawed decision-making on whether or not they're doing something. Um, because people will be like, well, I'm, based on whether you'll do, you're, you're making your decision based on whether or not it's a sin or not. That's a terrible way to make a decision, by the way. That's like the lowest common denominator of making a decision. Like whether or not it's a sin, that's, start, that's like one. Layer two is, is it wise? Because just because something's not a sin doesn't mean it's wise, which means it doesn't mean it should be something that you actually should partake in. The third layer, which I think is actually what most successful and incredibly godly people do, is they actually look, is it actually for me? Because just because it's not sin and just because it's wise doesn't mean I should be the one to be doing it. And when you're able to get to that third level of decision-making, I think it keeps you safe in every aspect of that. But that's what is sin. When sin is really missing the mark. So That's good. That's good. Is that All right. I'm going to get Okay. Um, all right, number two. My wife and I disagree on tattoos. Oh. She says she thinks that it's a sin and I shouldn't want more. Is this true? <laughs> all right, poll the audience. Let's dun, dun, have dun. some fun. Who thinks tattoos are bad? Raise your hand. Come on, somebody. We had a bunch of them in the first service. Come on, if you're proud of it, like you got deodorant on and you're just proud of it. You're like, y'all, y'all are just evil. Okay, awesome. All right, how many of y'all think tattoos are okay? Raise your hand. Come on, like you're proud. All right, there you go. You're like, I'll show. Don't show me your tattoo. I had one person stand up in the middle of the service. I'm like, that's, I'm not what I'm asking. All right. How many of y'all don't even understand why this is a question? It's not a big deal. Raise your hand. You're like, what in the world is going on? Okay. <laughs> You never know. Sometimes you know, I pastor in different parts of the country. Some things matter to people in different parts of the yeah. country than they do the others. Yeah, for sure. um, you know, I, 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 um, I'm always curious about these types of things because um, most people who um, uh, are dealing with this, I will say this, um, based on that question with a person, um, if his wife is, if your wife is ever telling you something, she's probably got some wisdom behind what she's saying. Uh, I'm just in general, I'm not answering the question based on that as, but I'm just saying wisdom is a woman. That's what the Bible says. And so, um, ladies, that was your time to amen. I mean, I don't know. Woman power. All right, so there you go. Is this still Woman Appreciation Month? No, it's April now. It's April. That was May? That was March. No, March. That was March. March. May is next. May is next. It was March. This is hard, y'all. All right, take it easy. Uh, um, so here's my answer to that question. Is tattoo a sin? Well, yes and no. Here's why. Let's just look what the Bible says. Most people who point out tattoos that are evil uh, point out Leviticus 19. Um, and, and honestly, um, and let's just read it just because it's in the Bible. You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, uh, nor make any tattoo marks. There it is. That's what grandpa used on you, on yourselves. And uh, he says, for I am the Lord. Now you got to remember Leviticus 19. Let's look at context of what God was really trying to do. He was taking a people who were slaves, okay, had no nation, no laws, no constitution, no way of living, and he was bringing them into a world where they could actually be like a people. Right. Like, like, yeah. th- like, like he was giving them the best ways of living. And in that particular context, in that particular day, there were actually like different tribes and different sets of people who were actually worshiping pagan gods by cutting themselves and putting tattoos of those gods on their body. So the context of that particular, remember some things in the Bible are historical, some things in the Bible are like are prescriptive, some things in the Bible are descriptive. And he's, he's actually telling these people, we don't serve pagan gods, we serve the one true God, Yeshua. We were served like God, who is God, and we don't do that, and we don't practice that because they practice that in worship to their God. So we got to bring Bible context to Bible, okay? So that's number one. Um, 
However, I will say that um, we have to be careful anytime we take pull random scriptures out of the Bible and then use that to live our life. Remember, good hermeneutics or proper reading of the Bible or studying of the Bible is proving Bible verses with Bible verses. You don't take your opinion, find a Bible verse to back it up and then post it online and tell everybody you're right. Says everybody, 99% of the people who do stuff like that and say, I'm a Christian and I hate you. And you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Okay. So, um, so like, that's number one. Um, and be careful. You, I'll say really be careful with Leviticus because there's a whole lot of things in Leviticus. If you want to be stickler about that, you shouldn't cut your hair. You got to have special diet restrictions. There should be some things that you should actually watch. I'm just saying, if you want to bring the Bible, we can bring the Bible. Yeah. And everybody's got a line. Uh-huh. So if you want to go there, we can go there. But I'm just saying, like, there was a context and there was a, there was a reason for that at the particular moment in time. Um, the other thing I always say too is like, be careful because your line, it could be somebody else's line. That's kind of a weird, I met I know people who get tattoos for, um, uh, like eyeliner. Like, is that okay to you? Like, you hear what I'm saying? Like, so like there are some things we got to be really careful on how we actually grew up or what we heard and what we type to do. And, and you know, there's all kinds of things. I will say this if I can, as a pastor, since I'm a shepherd, if I can give you some guidelines on how to get a tattoo, I think that could be helpful. If this is helpful, maybe it's not. Um, number one, I would say, um, just remember, you live in society. Okay? What that means is, is people have eyes. And most of the time, people interact with you on how they see you. Right. So I wish that most people were God. They're not. God says he can see the heart. Right. God can see your heart. Thank you, God. You can see my heart. But man looks on the outward appearance. Outward appearance. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know some people who will get a tattoo of like, like a skeleton hand coming out of the grave. <laughs> onto their head, in their face. And then they're like, I can't get a job. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't think that's a sin, but... You live in society. And there are some social norms, right? That like we all kind of prescribe to-ish. I use that term loosely now. Right. Um, and, and we got to be careful with the decisions that we make. So I, I mean, m- m- people could misunderstand your heart and you could lose influence. Yeah. If you maybe get one that's odd weird or in a weird place. Um, number two, um, I would stay away from anything pagan or evil or inappropriate or could be misunderstood. Um, because some people are like, they have like a really cool artsy idea and they put it on their body and they're like, this is so cool. But somebody could misunderstand that as something else. Right. You be really careful, especially with stuff that's evil. Um, um, pick something you want forever. This is a good guideline for anybody. I'm just telling you, if you want a tattoo, wait a year and see if you still want that, then go get it. That would just be my opinion um, on that. It'd help you protect some people who are like, I can't believe I got that in the, you know, drunken rage at night. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Could be something working with that. Another, that's another question. That's another question another we'll answer day. in another week. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Um, remember this as well. Um, remember, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out how I said this as we first, first service. Remember your skin does weird things as you get older. So it, it stretches. It's just, it, it, you could say stretch. Things let out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, and then um, I would just be careful maybe getting like a girl's name that you're dating. Like, I love Mary Beth. And your next wife is like, who's Mary Beth? <laughs> That's just my thought. So my final answer on that is, um, you know, yes and no. If you don't agree, that's okay. I love you. So does God. I'll see you in heaven. All right. I tried to. Careful. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. Number three, I've been saved for a while and have never been baptized. Now that it's been a while, I feel embarrassed to do it. Do I have to be baptized to get to be saved? Yeah. So that's a real thing, you know, um, based on how you come from, you know, we have a lot of people who come from different religions or denominations or backgrounds of how they believe and what they've been told. Um, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible teaches. Okay. The Bible teaches that the baptism is an outward expression of what God did inwardly inside of you. That's it. Um, remember if salvation had anything to do with you, it would negate what Jesus did. Right. Right. Last I checked, my Bible said that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. 
Which, by the way, he didn't say he was finished. He just said it is finished. That plan was done. God's not done with you. Right. That's good. But because it's finished, there's nothing you can do to earn the salvation that you and I desperately need. God earned it for us. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing. Free gift. We have nothing to do with it. However, Jesus and the disciples and the apostles preached and taught and modeled baptism for us to do after we get saved, which means you and I become a follower of Jesus. Maybe you give your life to Jesus at a coffee shop or at a convention or at a church service, and you, you raise your hand and you give your life Next step after that is baptism. And it's incredibly important. It's incredibly needed. Is it going to keep you out of heaven? No. You just learn what gets you into heaven. You learn what connects you with God the Father. Which, by the way, we should probably stop living our lives based on whether or not this is going to get me into heaven. Yeah. Right. You're, low, you're lowering the, the, the standard and the idea. Jesus didn't just die so you can get to heaven. Jesus died so you can have heaven right now. So there, there's a lot in your life and my life we could have right now if we learn to do it. And baptism is one of those things. And it's a celebration. There's nothing embarrassing about getting baptized. Yeah. There's nothing embarrassing about getting in front of your, your friends and your family and celebrate. It's something to celebrate and to be excited about and to be pumped up about and actually be free about and like get out and shout and God, look what you did yeah. for me. God, you're going to do it again. It's amazing. Like that's amazing. And it's, gonna, it's awesome. You should totally do that, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. Furthermore, I will say this, like there, there, is, um, there is a great, great responsibility for us as people of God to actually get baptized. So next week, we're, um, we're actually baptizing. We're going to do our baptism here at church. And if you want to get baptized, you should get baptized. If you gave your life to Christ and you have not been baptized, you should do that. Um, also, if you got baptized as an infant, like if you had a religion or a denomination that did that, that's fine. Like, I'm okay with that. That's great. I'm sure it was an amazing religious ceremony that you all had that. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't offend me. I think it's great. We still have people who come to our church. They dedicate their children here and they go have their christenings or their babies. Like, that's fine. But it's not biblical baptism based on the Bible. Right. Baptism, you know what baptism actually means? Baptizo means to fully submerge. So like you, 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 based on the Bible, you should go get baptized. Like I'm glad you did it as an infant. You should get baptized after you gave your life to Jesus as an adult, because it is an outward expression of what we have to be able to have a conversation with you. Did you give your life to Christ? Great. Let's dunk you. And some of y'all maybe hold you under a little longer than normal and then pull you back up and you'd be great. And we celebrate and it'd be all good. We don't do that. We, it's all this pretty simple time. In fact, they don't even let me baptize anybody. So I'm like, you okay. How you doing down there? Pull you back up. So um, I think it's really, really good. By the way, um, a, a good way to look at baptism is a uh, wedding ring. If you're, if you're married in here, and let me see it. Let me see your wedding ring. Come on, show it to me. Put a ring on it. Come on, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, baptism is like a wedding ring in the, in the kingdom. Um, here's what's funny. If I took this off, does it make me not married? No. You should say no. <laughs> like, with more conviction. Some of y'all are like, kind of, a little bit. Like, it should be convicting. You know, if your husband or wife didn't just scream out no, conversations need to happen. So, no, if I took this off, I'm still married. In fact, if, I, if I'm not married and I put it on, does it make me married? No. No. All a ring is is an outward expression of what God, of a decision that I made under God one day, a long time ago. That's all it is. And so because of that, that's what baptism is. But it's important. Jesus taught it. Jesus was baptized. The apostles, disciples were baptized. In fact, Jesus' great commission was go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Ever say baptize? Baptize. baptize them. If you haven't gotten baptized, you should get baptized next week. I don't know what else to say other than that. I mean, you want a dollar? I'll give you money to go baptize. It's amazing. We do give them a free gift, though. We do. We give, you get a free they gift get, here just yeah, for baptizing. For sure. It's powerful. For sure. I think, you know, you had said, I think you touched on that a little bit at the beginning of that, but I think that even if you're a leader in the church, and I think that sometimes we feel like, well, maybe we're already a leader. I don't want people to see that. But, I mean, I love that we get to celebrate with those people. I think model. that's really If a you're great, a leader, you, you should model model get baptized. Go yeah. model for your team. Yeah. Go model for your people, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think that's great. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. I am a dog mom. I'm not, not me, the, the question says this. I'm a dog mom and love them like they are my own children. Will they be in heaven with me when they pass away? What's the next question? I think, I was gonna say, do you wanna answer this one? Is Fluffy in heaven? Do all dogs go to heaven, Pastor? Oh, 
is uh, um, how many of y'all have a pet in here? Raise your hand. You got a pet. You're like, I love Fufu and Farfel and <laughs> Rover. Um, is my pet going to heaven? Number one, let's just be honest. Okay, so again, I'm a Bible teacher. What does the Bible say? Uh, nothing. I asked it. I did the Google search on it and said, is there, God, are you going to take Rover to heaven? Rover doesn't exist in the Bible. Um, but I, I'll give you kind of my opinion on it, and, and I'll just kind of use Bible to back up my, my thought. Um, I, I think that, so first of all, there are a few verses in the scriptures that actually show that there, um, we could assume that there are going to be animals in heaven. Um, even Jesus comes back riding on a, a horse. Um, Isaiah even uses some um, like prophecy to talk about the lion will lay with the lamb or the wolf will lie with the lamb. Um, I, I think there are some verses that can show that, that, that we can maybe assume that there will be something like that. Also, our concept of heaven, I'm going to answer this question in a few weeks um, as well. Our concept of heaven, I think, is a little Greek and um, and I, what I mean by that is that I think our interpretation of heaven has been colored mm. a lot by culture yeah. and not by Bible. Right. Um, and what I'd like to tell people is, and if I could give an over, like a quick answer on that, heaven is a renewed earth. Like, like it's going to be a lot different than I think we think it is. Like some people are like, we're going to be floating on clouds <laughs> and playing harps and Like, I think that's what we think. Uh, you're, you're, no, that's not true. Right. Um, based on the Bible, it's a renewed earth, and we're going to have purpose and things that we get to do, and there's going to be no pain right. and no fear yeah. and no anxiety. And I'm pretty sure no calories, because so, I want to eat. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I'm assuming that's the thing. And, uh, Sign up for that. But I, I think in terms of pets... Um, here's, here's, here's my couple of thoughts um, is number one. The premise of that question, and I'm going to be kind, okay, because I just want you to hear me. And I love animals. I'm an animal guy. Um, but um, we got to be careful elevating a created thing above humans. Right, right. Uh, or even equal to humans. Um, here, here's why. Here's why. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with whatever you describe yourself as. But... Um, because I believe that pets are, are, are a gift from God, just like air and food. And I, it's, I think they're all gifts from God. And I think they can bring a lot of comfort yeah. um, and a lot of friendship and help. Um, but I think we got to be careful because re just remember, I'll give you two, two examples in the Bible why I believe that. Um, one Old Testament, one New Testament. Old Testament, remember, God created man in his image, not beast in his image, not right. animals in his image. Right. Animals and men or humans, do not have equal value in, in the world. They don't. They don't. Now, they're valuable, but they're not the same. Right. So there, there, there's a clear distinction between humans and animals. Uh, New Testament, I'll say this. Jesus came as what? A human. Right. A human man. That says something about the nature of God's value system. Right. He didn't send an animal. He sent a man. Right. And so we just got to be careful that we don't elevate animals to, I think, inordinate or inappropriate levels in our life. Just remember, if you look to your animal for all your comfort, stress relief, peace, joy, friendship, relationship, and that's the seat for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, they can be a, a supplement to that, which I think is appropriate, but you should keep a pet as a pet. That's okay. Um, and then second, um, I, I just, let me tell you what I do know. I know my God. And I know the character of my God. And I know that the Lord is described as a good father in scripture. Yeah. And I'm a dad, um, and I'm not as good of a dad as obviously God. Um, but I love it when my kids are happy. And I love to give my kids things that they want. And I, it wouldn't shock, so I'm saying that to say it wouldn't shock me if God did give you your pet in heaven. So I'm not saying it won't be. I'm not saying it will be. I don't know. Last time I checked, no one's went there with a video camera, showed us pets, and then came back. Um, and again, like, when it tells me you come with heaven, because people are like, well, did you read that book? He knows what heaven looks like. Maybe. Maybe. It's a good word. 
that we should use more in our vocabulary. Everybody say it with me. Maybe. Maybe. And I would say that about Fluffy, who I'm sure you love, and I hope on your behalf is there. I, honestly, I think once we get to heaven, though, I don't think things like that are going to matter to us. That's just my thought. Yeah, that's good. I think this next question is going to take a little bit longer than our hot seat questions. So I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to leave and let you just answer this last question. Okay. Because I think it's pretty important for us. Feels big. So it's a big one. It's a big one. So our last question for today. Why do bad things happen to good people? Oh. All right. Give it up for Tabby one last time. Just thanks, Tabby. Um, I've been in ministry for um, over 20 years, been a pastor for almost that long length of time. And maybe the number one thing I get asked in some form or fashion is that question. Is, you know, like, man, I did the right things. Has anybody ever had that happen where you did all the right things and the bad thing happened? Come on, anybody else other than me? Anybody? Okay, come on, like you, you put deodorant on and you're happy to be in the house of God and you got Gatorade going on. Okay, good. All right, yeah. Interesting how um, when you, isn't it funny how when you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't get beamed to heaven? Somehow we got stuck here in a world that is complicated and painful. And I don't, I don't know if, because I'm not God, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. On the, I, don't, I don't have the answer. I don't, I don't have the answer. Um, I don't think anybody in this earth does. But I, I think that um, when we ask that question, it's typically because, you know, we see a disaster in the world or we felt betrayal. Maybe one of your family members got sick, passed away. Um, maybe see something happens to a child or something. You know, you're, you're like, Why? Is our country in turmoil? All these things happen. And you need to know this, that like, man, God understands. Uh, the people of the Bible understand. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible, like Paul, you know, Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament um, letters and was an apostle, planted churches uh, in his day, was one of the most amazing people in the world. And he was going through stuff right and left. If you go read about some of the stuff he went through, I mean, he was snake-bitten and shipwrecked and was attacked by different people. He would help people in a city. They would turn on him and try to kill him. Like how many of y'all know that wouldn't be messed up? Um, he got like accused of stuff. He was in prison multiple times. He got stoned. Not that way. Uh, the other, the other way. And, uh, uh, like when rocks were thrown at him, that stoned. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, if you go read the book of Job, go see Job. Job, God, the, 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 the enemy asks God for Job. God says yes. Job's life is turned upside down and incredible hurt and pain. And you're like, God, how does that, com how does that compute? You know, and John the baptizer, he gets beheaded. He was the one who prepared the way for Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, we're talking about the perfect human being, God on earth, who did nothing wrong to no one, who lived a sinless life and winds up being betrayed and accused and false trialed and tortured and killed for nothing, for making the world a better place. So, so just know God understands this question of like, why do bad things happen to, to good people? Um, and the Bible's been pretty clear about, if you go back and read John chapter 16, it says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You and I, regardless of whether or not you're saved, are going to go through some things. You're going to have to settle that. Some people are really, really hard with that. Like they think like, well, I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to get right so that I don't have any bad things happen to me. Um, you're going to be sorely mistaken because you're going to still go through stuff. Why? Because you deal with you know, human people and issues in this world and health and problems. And, you know, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that's going on and bad things are going to happen to good people. And here's what's weird about life as well. Good things are going to happen to bad people. I mean, Matthew chapter five says where he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the, and the unjust. Like there's a lot of things that could happen to a myriad of people. But if I can for just a moment, I think the premise of the question is actually flawed. Um, have you ever been asked who's the bachelor's wife? That's because it doesn't make sense. 
It's actually flawed at its core because there's no such thing as a bachelor's wife. I would say this question, how why do bad things happen to good people, is similar because I don't know if there's any good people. Based on the Bible, now if you're not a Bible believer, then maybe you don't believe this, but the Bible teaches very clearly that we're born into sin, we have iniquity from the first Adam who comes in this earth and introduces sin into this earth, and now all of a sudden, now we have sin wrapped inside of with us, and Katah started with Adam and Eve and their their sons, uh, Cain and Abel, and sin enters into this earth and becomes this virus to humanity that it gets inside of our spirit, and really shows us that no one is good. And you know this to be true. You want to know why? Because if you're a parent in here and you had a child come out of you, you see that you didn't have to teach them how to be crazy. (laughs) Somehow they learned the word no. Isn't that true? You're like, what in God's name possessed you to ever question me? Why? Because we're born into sin. There are no... there are, based on the Bible, there are no good people. Even Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good. His name is God, the Father. So the premise is a little off. And I think what we're really asking is, why do perceived negative, hurtful, devastating, painful things happen to people we love or we see as innocent or we see as a victim in the situation? That's really what we're asking, isn't it? And the, the answer that I can maybe give you is maybe just a few thoughts on how to think in those moments. I can't answer the question, but I can maybe help you think, if that's okay, rather than feel. Most people respond to their, with their feelings. I wanna maybe give you a way to think that might help you with your feelings, if that's okay. First one is this, if, something, if you feel like something bad happens to you, uh, good people or, or a good person, maybe you're, um, maybe you're just a victim of a broken world. Romans 5 goes on to say, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that was Adam, through death, and death through sin, and so that death spread to all men because all have sinned. That you and I are, again, in a world that is pretty crazy. See social media if you need some examples. Check out your favorite news organization, which, which by the way, are experts at curating the worst of the world. I've never seen a news report that said, local family is doing great. Husband's faithful to his wife. Wife's faithful to her husband. Kids are doing awesome. Just wanted to let you know. I don't. I talk about the worst of the world. And because the world is, in a lot of ways, messed up. I know this sounds weird, but God's will is not always done. He gave us this thing called free will and the ability for us to choose him. I mean, if, let me ask you a question. If you had made someone love you, is that really love? No. So God gives you the ability to love him or reject him. He gives you the ability to live his way or not live his way. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose to not live his way and therefore suffer the consequences of it. And we sometimes suffer the consequences of somebody else's bad decision. I mean, we live in a world that is pretty terrible sometimes. Sometimes God's will not done. Sometimes man's will is done. And man's will, like I just said, is pretty evil and pretty terrible. And honestly, I believe some of the best people who are people who can learn how to think like God gives us the ability to grow past what has happened to us into our potential. And if you can't learn to grow past what's been happened to you into your potential, you're going to struggle the whole, your whole life. And you're going to walk around being that crazy, mean, angry old person that everybody knows and talks about behind their back. And you never change because you're committed to being angry because of what has happened to you. That's just who you're going to be. So you got to make a decision. Are you going to be a victim your whole life? Is that what you're going to choose to be? Last time I checked, my Bible says you don't have to be that. That you don't have to be what happened to you. I remember um, a while back, my, my kids and I, we were in our living room. And our living room is kind of odd. It's, um, it's cool because it's got a, the area of our living room has no ceiling above it. It goes like a, it, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's like high ceilings in the front. So it makes the room feel bigger. But it also makes like, it, it, but it's not bigger. It just makes it feel bigger. And my kids, I think, think it's bigger. And so they play a lot in that living room, which I'm like, go play in the loft. Get out of here. You know, it's like, come on, parents. You know, you sometimes you need a break. Shut it, you know. It's like, odd. Um, but they were all in the room. And I was watching golf or something because you know, it's God's sport. And so I was watching golf. And um, they're all in there. And my little, this was so cool. I don't even know why he did this. He went and grabbed a book. One of my sons went and grabbed a book. He was sat right next to me. And he just started reading his book. And I'm like, 
Like, you ever, you ever see your kid do something good, and you're like, that's my son, that's my kid. My arm around him was like, you're my boy. I love you. He was quiet. He was reading. I'm pretty sure he said, thank you, Father. You know, it was just, it's like, I love you, son. You're amazing. My other four come running down the stairs playing football in the house. Now, there's a rule in our house. There's no football in the house as long as mom's around. And so that's the rule. <laughs> if mom's not around, we play football. And so she's, they're throwing football and they're throwing it back and forth and they're having a good old time and they're kind of being loud and obnoxious, you know, nothing like their dad. It's just, I mean, they're just acting crazy. And, uh, and I was like watching them play football. And before you know, so I have my, my arm around my son. Before you know, it, I, I see it. I hear it and I see it. This football fly past my nose. Like, I, I'm telling you, it hit the the, the hairs of my nose. It just, whew, like that. And I was like, <gasps> like that. And I looked back and I was like, almost, and I did the kind of the quick take where I realized where it projected to go was to my little son who was being kind and innocent and sweet, reading a book. It was headed directly for his face. And before I look at it, it passed my, my nose and I did the thing and I look over and I was like, in slow motion, I see the football enter into my son's face and compress like slow mo. You know, you ever see a slow motion video of somebody getting hit in the face? It's like, Eeeah. and I see him get hit in the face and the natural person inside of me, like, cause I'm a good dad. I looked, I was like, no, I was like, and I was just a spectator at that point. Instead of a father, I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, and then I realized it's my son just got hit in the face. And I was like, oh, son. And I ran and he ran off and he was, he was mad. He didn't cry. He was mad. And I had to run off. I'm like, son, are you okay? And he goes, I'm okay. And he went into like a 30 minute diatribe about how God's against him. The world's terrible. His brothers are evil. They meant to do it. I know they didn't mean to. They're just acting crazy and throwing the football around. There's no premeditated footballing happening. It was just... It was just something that happened. And I had to sit there and walk him through. And he goes, if God, why would God do that? Like he said that. Like, why would God do it? And I said, son, you're going to have to learn this quick. I'm about to teach you a lesson. Man, sometimes things just happen. Like they didn't mean that. You are a, vic you are a victim in a situation that had nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Son, I will... I will Help make it right. Let's go get some ice cream. You want to get a football? I'll hold him down. You can throw a football at his face. Like, whatever you want. You know, like, but like, I, I want you to understand, sometimes, son, things are just going to happen to you. And, and you're a victim in that situation, but you don't have to act like a victim. You don't have to live from victimhood. You don't, that doesn't have to be, I know some people who have had something happen to them, and that becomes their identity. That's who they're known for. It's like their screen, that's their tag, you know, at Stabbed in the back three times. <laughs> y'all know who I'm talking, like y'all know, right? And you're like, everything they talk about is their victimness. It's like, you're not a victim, man. Yeah. Like don't, you don't have to live from that. Just because that happened to you doesn't mean you have to become what happened to you. Right. Second thing is this, um, one thing to think about is maybe you're feeling a consequence. I know this is not, nobody amen this in the first service. But go back to what I said. Oftentimes we give ourselves more credit than we deserve for a situation that happened. Which means sometimes when bad things happen to us, we are, so, we are the most innocent people and they're the most guilty. And we don't see the situation clearly. But I, I've noticed the deeper I, I read into situations or I, deep, I dive into situations of why something happened, a lot of times it's because you're reaping what you sow. And sometimes we reap way later than we sowed. And you forget about the seeds that you sowed. So, sown? Soon? Sown. So, you know what I'm talking about. That you had something that you did a long time ago and it's just coming to roost now. You forgot about it a long time ago. And we forget. But it doesn't mean we don't reap the consequence. And sometimes a bad decision produces a bad outcome. And you wind up blaming God and Satan for something that happened to you. You know, it's like, Sometimes you give them too much credit for what's going on in your life. 
I know people who have like, like they get a flat tire and they're like, Satan's after me. Satan's out. Not today, Satan. And I'm like, you, no, you ran over a nail. Right? I know people who got fired from a job. They showed up late. They left early. They didn't work hard. And they're like, God doesn't care. No, you're a terrible employee. Right? None of you, you know that. I'm talking about someone you know. You're asking for a friend. But like, do you, you know one of the best ways you can, you can help your life is take responsibility? Taking responsibility allows us to understand fully what happened so that we can potentially put some things in place to keep it from happening again. But you'll never embrace what you could do if you never did anything wrong in the position in the first place. So you and I really have to get to grips with like, man, I, I play a part in, I, I, I have this kind of thing, I think like, I play a part in everything that happens to me, whether I don't see it or not. And if you adopt that mentality, what it does is it helps you take responsibility in there as you can take responsibility for, helps you do what you should do, which is get better every day, get better. By the way, nobody's responsible for you getting better. You know who's responsible for you getting better? Touch some sky. Touch some sky. Everybody reach up. Raise your hand. That's who's responsible for you getting better. You. And you're going to have to get past yourself in order to do that. Last one is this. Maybe God wants to do something big and redeem. I find it funny how we can post about the goodness of God and the power of God until something bad happens and then you think you serve a God who has no power. So some of you are in here right now and you're in a situation, you're going through something right now. Hey, let me remind you, you serve an all-powerful God. Which means this, look, look, this is what it means. God's not strong in your life. He's all-powerful. There's a difference. He doesn't have to try to do anything. So remind yourself of that when you're going through something. That maybe this situation's happened because God wants to redeem what was done to you. There was a time when the disciples were walking with Jesus and they, they saw this man who was going through some major issues and they said, they, the disciples started to theorize, maybe this guy's sinned brought him into this issue. He's got some major, he ain't living right. That's what we do, by the way. Something bad happens to someone, we go, they must not be living right. Good thing I'm living right. I just wonder, I would love to just see what God's face is sometimes with some of us. Some of us. Jesus has this moment and he responds to me. He goes, now nah, you guys got it wrong. So this doesn't happen because he sinned. This doesn't happen to him because his parents sinned. This has nothing to do with him. This is a great statement. This made this be our prayer. He says, this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I think of all the things story just in our church and all the things that have happened to me and all the pain and all the hurt and all the betrayal all the loss and I want you to think about yours for just a minute and there are times where I, my feelings override my what I know and I think when I, when I read those precious words I think I think may all of the issues that happen in my life work may, may that be the work of God can be displayed in my life to people. 
It happens so that God can show how good he is. How he can become, I'm not the hero in my story. Jesus is. And in order for him to be the hero, then I gotta come to grips with the fact that I'm gonna have some things happen to me and he can redeem. Redeem means to change for the better. God can turn a bad situation and he can make it good. Go read Joseph's story in Genesis. I mean, it's pretty amazing how he did nothing wrong. He's betrayed by his brothers. He tried to kill him, put in jail, then rose the ranks inside of a thing and then while being accused falsely of something gets thrown in jail. Like This guy had multiple things happen to him and he says this amazing thing. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. could turn it around for my good. So whatever you're going through, regardless of the why, God can turn it around for your good. What do you do? What do you do when bad things happen to good people or bad things happen to you? Um, my quick elevator pitch would be Psalm 123, verse one. I lift my eyes. The writer says, I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. So that's what we do. So lift your eyes. Man of God, lift your eyes. Woman of God, whoever's, what, what you're dealing with, lift your eyes. Parents, lift your eyes. Married people, lift your eyes. Come on. People who have gone through betrayal, lift your eyes. People who are dealing with physical problems and disease and infirmity, lift your eyes. People who are struggling in their marriage right now, you lift your eyes. People going through financials, issues, you lift your eyes. You have a son or a daughter who's gone and prodigal and is lost in the world, you lift your eyes. Because God can turn anything around for our good. And that's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you've given us a hope that is not in a church or denomination. It's not a hope in this world. It's not a hope in a person. It's a hope in Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you can turn everything around for our good. And I thank you that God, no matter what has happened to us, it doesn't have to be our identity. We don't have to be victims of the situation. We can simply trust you. We can simply walk with you. We can simply know that you have our best future and our intentions and, and the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, it just is. Help us to see that every day as we walk with you in Jesus' name.